0: Welcome to the weekly podcast of Covenant Grace Menifee. Each week, we gather to better understand the teachings of the Bible and how to live them out in our daily lives. We hope and pray that you're encouraged by this week's message. So Romans 1, verse 18, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them. And exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who was blessed forever. Amen. This is the word of God. Let me pray real quick, and uh, let's dig into this passage. Lord, I just pray that you would be with us. Uh, Father, I pray that you would just fill us with your Spirit, Lord, that the words that we share right now, that coming out of my mouth, that uh, going into the ears of my brothers and sisters here, and then the people joining us online, Lord, that, that you would be in them, and that you would be revealing things to us to, to worship you for, to be in awe and inspired by Lord, that we would be able to look out at creation and that we would be able to see you and hear you through it. And Lord, as we spend a little bit of time in this, Lord, I just pray that, that you would draw us closer to you. Lord, that we would know you better because of our time spent with you. And Lord, I pray that you would equip us, Lord, that we would be able to go and be salt and light to the world. Lord, we are part of creation. And Lord, we get to be reflectors of you. Lord, just last week when we're thinking about the, the topic of abortion, Lord, that the reason this is wrong is because we've been created in your image. And Lord, that we reflect you, Lord, and, and that it's it's a privilege. So Lord, I just pray right now, Lord, that we would be refreshed in you, that we would come closer to you, that we would be equipped to go out and be an impact in the world for the kingdom. We ask these things in your name. Amen. All right, so this is a dense passage. There's many layers to it. There's, there's kind of this general teaching that Paul is getting at in this section, which is basically creation reflects God, creation shows God, and mankind, humanity, is without excuse in their rebellion. God is justified in the wrath being poured out upon them because of that unrighteousness, just because of the creation that we look at. And we're going to be in this passage for at least another week. Eric's going to be looking at the wrath of God a little bit next week. But today I want to dig into a very specific portion of the passage. We're going to look at the claim here that Paul makes about God being plainly visible in creation and just kind of Look at that a little bit and, and meditate on it and think about the implications of that. So my hope is, is that this sermon really would kind of function more as like an extended call to worship. As we look at God, as we look at his creation and we think about what he's trying to communicate to us, that, that we would be inspired to honor him and glorify him, that we would be refreshed and refocused you know, our minds would be be refreshed and focused on his spirit as we even look forward to worshiping him together at the end of service. So we're going to focus on verses 19 and 20, uh, but we'll we'll kind of touch on all of it. And in 19 and 20, just for a refre- refresher, Paul says, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. So these two things that he highlights here, God's creation makes him known and that people are without excuse. And their unrighteousness is this this rebellion, this denial of that. So let's start by looking at how he's revealed in creation. So there's two things that he he specifically mentions, right? He says, namely, the, his eternal power and his divine nature. And the eternal power kind of speaks to God's abilities, right? If, you know, my son builds a Lego tower in the living room, his abilities are still developing. But, you know, if, if somebody builds a skyscraper, their abilities are very, very developed. So in this sense the skyscraper shows that the power and abilities of that architect who built that skyscraper far exceed my sons. They both exist. We, we see both the towers. We know that someone created them, but the power, the ability of that master architect is so much greater and reflected by the workmanship of his hand. And when we talk about seeing God's eternal power, that's what this phrase is talking about. We're seeing the abilities that he has. And when we're talking about his divine nature, it's a little bit different. His divine nature is his being, right? So it's not just his existence, but it's that he is God. So other translations would say that it would reveal the Godhead. And that's just kind of a, a way to say it reveals God. Because there's no way for us to fully explain God, right? Like God is unexplainable. Like he is ultimately powerful, ultimately loving. He isn't just a combination of all these things. He's the fullness of all those things. So when we say that nature reveals his divine nature, when creation reveals his divine nature, his the Godhead, it's saying that it's pointing to a creator. It's pointing to a master craftsman, but it's also revealing things about him, right? Things that are unique to God, that are like we're created in his image but but there's uniqueness to God in the fullness of those things. And there's some overlap to this, right? As we as we wrestle with it, you know, some things are going to show us both. Some things are going to show us more than than the other. And as we we look for his authority and his power in creation, uh, his existence, CS Lewis had a really good quote that just kind of captured that that existence part of it, right? When we look at the design of nature, uh, he says that people were motivated to seek out science, right? That to, to go and learn things. And he said that men became scientific because they expected law in nature, and they expected law in nature because they believed in a law giver. So basically, when we go out and study the universe, we don't expect it to be random because we don't expect it to have just developed randomly. We come to it thinking chaos breeds chaos, order brings order. So this basic premise is something that really drove scientific exploration early on. I mean, many of the most famous scientists that we know were men of faith, women of faith. So we're often fed this lie that science and faith are at odds, right? As though the pursuit of understanding defeats faith and that faith is the absence of knowledge. And it's, it's just not true, right? Faith is not being ignorant. Faith is just having faith in something because there's evidence that leads us in that direction. We don't have blind faith. We have informed faith, right? There's a passage in Job and and just as an example of this, an example of the, the dance, the, the, the complementary nature of faith and science. There's this passage in Job, and it's in 38. It's verses 19 through 21. And this is where Job has been questioning God. He's been saying, you know, why is he doing this? And his friends are saying, well, it's because you were bad. And he's like, but I wasn't bad. So, like, God, why are you doing this? There's all this questioning God, all this, like, bad advice. Job's a very interesting book. But this verse in 38, God is has told Job to, you know, gird your loins, stand up like a man. I'm going to correct you. And in this passage, he says where is the way to the dwelling of light? And he's asking Job this, you know, he, he wants an answer. And he says, and where is the place of darkness that you may take to it its territory and that you may discern the paths to its home? You know, for you were born then. And the number of your days is great, right? The last part is, is God being sarcastic with Job. So if, everybody, if anybody ever tells you sarcasm isn't holy, you say, well, <laughs> read the book of Job. So this is one of like 70 questions that God asked Job. And it's, it's interesting because it's very poetic, right? It's beautiful prose. And Job is one of the oldest books in the Bible. And often, you know, like you kind of are raised to understand, you know, darkness is the absence of light. But as scientists have studied light and learned more about light, and matter and the things that make the universe go, and they 've kind of looked out into the heavens they 've found black holes, and they've found dark matter, and they 're finding these things that really, when we look at this passage and we, we we see God saying, "Have you been to the place that I have put darkness in like it brings this whole other beauty and complexity to it, and this is prose, so you know it's The symbolism is just there, but as we understand science more, even the beauty of the prose takes on deeper meaning. So for someone to say that science and faith are opposed to each other, and we look at this passage written thousands of years ago, and yet has this interesting way of explaining light in a way that Job had no idea existed, like those things increase our understanding of God, not decrease. Isn't that cool? All right, maybe you didn't think so. <laughs> but the world is not just about like technical data either. God has created the world to reveal Himself, right? So I say all the time that creation exists so that we would better understand God. I'm the founder of a company, it's called Creator Films. Every story we tell has a message involved to it. And and I, I love filmmaking because of that, because it communicates a message. And it's true for every single type of artist, right? Every time you watch a movie or a TV show or listen to a song, listen to a podcast even, anything that you're listening to and consuming, there is a message that that author wanted to communicate to you, right? I mean, this would just make sense. And and I think that, you know, we don't always go into our consumption of media, with that at the forefront of our mind. You know, often, like we watch a movie just to release. You know, we just, we just want distraction. And it, we just consume it without thinking someone's trying to convince us of something. Someone's trying to shape our worldview. Someone's trying to shape the way we think. And we just kind of consume it, and it's like empty calories. And empty calories aren't healthy for us. But I don't want to harp on that so much today. I'll just kind of bring it out. But what I want us to think about is have you been thinking about creation that way? Like we go and we, you know, consume a podcast or, or we listen to something and we're thinking about the message that's coming in. Have you sat and looked at a sunset? I mean, look at those mountains. Everybody, look. Look at those mountains. I'm sorry, everybody online. Snow capped. They, this is a little bit on the fly, but like we look at those mountains and they're snow capped. And you know what the cool thing about snow capped mountains are? Is when the snow lands on them, They pop from the horizon, and you see them so much clearer than everything else. And when you think, when they're blanketed in the pure white, they're so much easier to see. Wouldn't that just be something that God could be communicating to us right now? Do you feel like you're struggling with insignificance, and you're not being able to make an impact? Christ has washed you. He's he's put pure cleansing upon you so that you stand out on the horizon. And if you're not aware of that, he just made that mountain so that we can pull these things, that we can see what he's communicating to us. My favorite example of this is the oak tree. And I say this all the time. God didn't create an oak tree so that we can have tables. God didn't create an oak tree so that we can create shelves. God created an oak tree so that we would understand the source of perseverance, right? Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Whose trust is in the Lord, He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green, and it is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. It's Jeremiah 17:8. It's a beautiful passage, right? Like it's so good to be reminded that our roots need to dig into the Lord. The Lord needs to be our source. Deep roots help the oak tree persevere, and it's the same with us. Another really kind of cool thing that that Martin Luther talked about when he was sitting looking at the seasons, you know, God gave us these seasons, and, and he didn't just think about, you know, food that was able to be grown or the beauty of spring. He saw the Lord communicating a very important truth. He said, Our Lord has written the promises of resurrection, not in the books alone, but in every leaf of springtime. And when he looked at a tree budding, he was reminded that we have hope in the resurrection because God is communicating these concepts over and over to us through, not just, as, as Luther said, not just in the books, not just in the word of God that we have here, but in the creation all around us. George Washington Carver, um, he's a prominent scientist and inventor in 1800s, late 1700s, early 1800s. He said, I love to think of nature as an unlimited broadcasting station through which God speaks to us every hour if we will only tune in. Yeah, it's like we are the most tuned in society, right? We are plugged into something all the time, but they're not things that God created. And I feel like, man, like, you want to be refreshed? Go and be in nature for a while. Be in God's creation. And that includes with people, right? I mean, I love that we're able to gather again and to be with one another because it's just different. It's different than just being digitally plugged in. And there's a reason because when we're digitally plugged in, we're partaking of things that man has created. This is my favorite concept. I wasn't able to get in my notes, but it makes sense now. <laughs> so there's two types of creation. There's the creation that God does and there's a Latin term for this, is called ex nihilo. And that means created out of nothing, right? And there's creation that man does, and that's ex materia. That means we've, we're creating something out of something else. We have materials that we're creating something. So when we create, you know, we're, we're created in God's image, and we create things, we're taking things that God created out of nothing, and we're reforming them to do what God did, right? To communicate to people through artistic creation, And no matter what we do, we cannot create like God did, the same way God did, because we cannot do what he did in Genesis and speak things into existence. Amen? So even though we get to take part in that, I mean, God's creation is refueling in a whole different way. And if you say, like, well, I'm not a nature person, well, I mean, you need to eat, so that's... Nature stuff, right? Like you need to breathe. That's part of creation. It's not that you're not a nature person. Like just enjoy nature somehow. Look at it. All right. There's the uh, rabbit trail for the, the sermon. I don't get any more. How many of you guys have been out in the middle of the ocean? Middle of the ocean, can't see any land. Like, Let's see, raise hands, right? Isn't that like ominous? Like you just feel small? How many of you guys have stood at the edge of the Grand Canyon? Anybody? right? Massive, massive. I went to Alaska when I was in college and stopped in Juneau and I hiked up Mount Roberts and went from sea level to snow peach caps in an afternoon. And it's it's a significant hike, but there's a tram that takes you up like two thirds of the way. So don't be too impressed. And you guys like, I made it up to the top of that. And I mean, you're walking up the whole time, and you know, I mean, God's creation's there, and and, you know, you're on this edge of the mountain. You can kind of look down. The it was on a cruise ship, and and the cruise ship's getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And you know, God has this beautiful way of like showing you something big, and then showing you something bigger, and then showing you something bigger, and it tells us something about Him. And as I climbed up that mountain, I got all the way to the top. You know, I mean, there's snow up there, and, and it's just it's beautiful, it's crisp, and it was this beautiful clear day. And as I looked out this way. There's this mountain peak after mountain peak after mountain peak and this massive glacier behind the mountains. You just can't even comprehend how big that stuff is. And then you turn around and there's the ocean that just goes all the way to the horizon, which just dwarfs that glacier. There's no picture that I could take that would communicate that moment to you guys, right? I mean, you guys understand that. It can be the most beautiful picture. It doesn't capture it because God's creation communicates to us in a particular way. He is designing things with a message for us to receive. And nature is full of marvels on the large scale, but it's also built on intricacy, right? So we, we have these massive things that we can look at, but there's also these intricate parts of God's design that can just take our breath away. Right. And, and reveal things about him. There's a creature called the mantis shrimp. Right. And there's like, I think there's like 300 varieties of this. Josh probably knows. There's like 300 varieties of it. They, they go from like really tiny to like a foot long. The cool thing about the mantis shrimp is their eyes allow them to see things that we can't see because our, our eyes have like three cones in them and the mantis shrimp has 16. So they can see infrared light. And when I think about the mantis shrimp, I think about glorified bodies, right? Like, these are just shells right now. And when the Lord brings these back, I mean, can you imagine the, the beauty of color? You know, Chad, you guys know, Chad's colorblind. And one year, we got these glasses for him, and they're like colorblind glasses. And he put them on, and he was like, whoa. 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 I mean, like he just, and then he, and that was just inside and he went outside and he like saw grass, vibrant green grass for the first time. And it was just this wonderful experience for him that he was never able to see. He didn't know what he was missing. Right. And I think about our glorified bodies. I mean, we think that we are exposed to God now. Imagine when we look at creation, what's possible. And that makes me think of the hummingbird, right? Everybody knows hummingbirds. Like, we know all we need to know about hummingbirds. They're zip around, they're fast, they eat their body weight and sugar every day. They're like a little child. And 97 kilometers an hour that they can move around, right? I mean, that's faster than some of us drive. I mean, I drive faster than that. But you know, yeah, some of us, like, well, actually, Don drives faster than that. I probably drive slower than that, right, babe? Whereas, I don't know, I, don't know, I might be in trouble later. But even their wings, 80 rotations a minute, right? Like they're doing figure eights to fly 80, oh, I'm sorry, not a minute, um, 80 rotations a second. They're just like, and it makes me think about everything we miss in a second. Man, God, God sees every single one of those wing beats. There's just an enormous amount of things that is going on right now. I mean, we look at that field just teeming with life, right? Like all those bugs. <laughs> Some of you are like, oh, bugs. All those bugs, like tilling that soil and working in that soil and the ecosystems and everything going on. I mean, there's so many things that are going on. Another thing I, I found that it just was really cool was the, the wood frog, right? So the wood frog survives by digging in just under the ground and allowing two-thirds of its body to freeze solid during winter. Freeze solid. And... It protects its organs with this antifreeze chemical that it produces inside its body. And I've got to admit, like, I have no idea what God is communicating to me with that. I just thought it was amazingly cool and wanted to share it with you guys. So, you know, there you guys go. I, I, I don't have an interpretation on this one. It just was really cool. Kind of freaky, you know, like cryogenic frozen frog, but he just brings himself back. And he has advantage over all the other frogs after that. So just really cool. And we haven't even touched the expanding universe, right? And I'm not talking about like Marvel expanded universe. I'm talking about like the actual universe expanding every moment, exponentially, something like that. And thinking about God is that, like that expanding universe doesn't have anything on God. And then we can, we can flip that completely around and look at quantum physics and, and the complexity in just tiny specks of the world that make up this large, complex system. And yet, when some look at this, they suppress the truth, right? They deny God's existence and or his authority over creation. And this leads people to live in a world that's based on a false reality. And, you know, I I want you guys to remember all of these things we've been talking about, but I want to look at what Paul says as the result of that, right? And if we see in verse 21, it says, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. So we kind of ask, like, who is Paul talking to in this passage, right? Like, who is he talking about? Who is it that did these things? I mean, we look at the Bible, the Israelites did these things over and over again, right? The cultures around them did these things. So those would be the ones that Paul would would definitely be familiar with. But even if we look at, you know, the Americas, right? Like the the Mayans and the Incas, the Native Americans, we look at the, you know, Asian countries, you know, in, in China and India and, I mean, all the nations across the world, every single culture has done this. They've denied God and they've replaced God with something else. And... I don't want us to kind of like get caught up on who Paul is talking about because I don't think Paul's talking about anyone specifically. I think he's just talking about mankind, humanity in general. This is what we do. It's not about what they're worshiping. It's about that they've taken these images, mortal man, birds, animals, and creeping things, and they've transferred or exchanged God's glory to those things. So, for instance, next week... Some of you may be tempted to replace God with man-looking things like buccaneers and chiefs, right? Those are the two, Marcel. Yep, I got the nod from Marcel. <laughs> I'm playing with you guys a little bit because Super Bowl's next week. It wasn't in my notes, but Eric reminded me. I thought, oh, I, I got a great place to make people feel guilty about that one. <laughs> no, but I mean, we do this anyways, right? Like This is something that we do even now. George Carlin, inappropriate comedian for the most part, uh, he had a stand-up thing, and he said, I've begun worshiping the sun for a number of reasons. First of all, unlike some other gods I could mention, I can see the sun. It is there for me every day, and the things it brings me are quite apparent all the time. Heat, light, food, and a lovely day. There's no mystery. No one asks for money. I don't have to dress up. And there's no boring pageantry. And interestingly enough, I found that the prayers I offer to the sun and the prayers I formally offered to God are all answered at about the same 50% rate. Carlin didn't really worship the sun, right? Like we understand that. His point was just to deny God. And he was he was being funny with it, you know, trying to be. But there really isn't any difference between his sarcastic denial of God and the cultures who actually worshipped the sun and worshipped the heavens and the moons and and creeping animals and and man-like looking things, right? He's saying in his wisdom, the wisdom that that he has is that you can't see God, but you can see the sun. Therefore, the sun is real and God is not, right? And that's kind of the, the basis, the premise of his joke here. The sun provides heat, light, food, and a lovely day. God doesn't provide anything that's tangible, so he's not real. I can understand the sun, therefore it's real. God is mysterious, and anything I can't understand is a superstition, right? Or or something that just hasn't been explained yet. The sun is there when I need it and doesn't require anything from me. God is an inconvenience to me and kind of boring. I don't like that, right? When I pray to the Son for things I want, sometimes I get them. When I pray to God for things I wanted, there was no difference. Clearly, God doesn't have any real power because I didn't get everything I wanted. Right? Now, when I explain Carlin's jokes like that, I mean, especially you guys who understand God, it's like, how would someone think that? They're just missing so many things. And that's more likely what we're able to see today, right? We're not going to see the vacuum that's left by denial of God replaced with creatures of nature. Most people aren't going to have, at least in the United States, like idols um, in their rooms. I mean, you know, we go over to Cambodia. There's a lot of ancestral worship. There's definitely a lot of idols and 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 worship there with creeping things and, and things like that. But in the United States especially, you're going to see it replaced by the self, Right. George Carlin did not worship the sun, he worshiped himself. He was his own God. His authority in his life and his look at the universe was supreme. And we live in a culture that has long replaced the true God with images of man. And the image of man that we've replaced it with is the one that we look at in the mirror. Like we are seeking to honor ourselves and give thanks to ourselves and not God. And that's exactly what that passage is saying, right? That therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies and among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. And if we look at, you know, just that little passage even before that, it specifically says that they did not honor God nor give thanks to God. And this results, right, we see the beginning of what this leads to in 24 through 25, right, that therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity and dishonoring their bodies among themselves. Does this sound familiar? I mean, like, we look at our, our culture. We look out. Do you see that going on, right? Do you see people exchanging God and God giving people up to the lust of their flesh and their desires, and we kind of see where that's headed, and I know, like this is not popular, right? It's not popular to say, you know, even in Christian circles, because it makes it sound like we're judging people, you know, that we're we're being judgmental to the world, and, and we're being holier than thou, and and you know, things like that. And that is the danger, right? Because we should have a response to this, and we need to have a biblical response. So I want you guys to think about, like, what would a biblical response to our culture, the things around us? going down this route, what would that be? Because we don't want to lean on our own understanding, right? We want to seek the spirit in this. And as we look out at the culture, my fear is is that we would speak against it and that we would separate ourselves from it, right? Because that's the nature of our society right now. We live in a rage culture. Everybody's angry at one another. And if we go out and we see immorality, and desire kind of pushing things and people living by their lusts and and all of these these things that we know are not of God. And in self-righteousness, we call it out and we argue against it. We're just doing exactly what Paul had said. Because self-righteousness is the denial of God as authority over creation. So as that denial of God creates a vacuum, it must be replaced. And the replacement that we're choosing when we lash out against culture in this way is idolatry of our righteousness to fill that vacuum. Does that make sense? Right? And that's how crafty Satan is. Right? Like that's what Satan does. He takes a good true thing and he twists it and gets you to respond to it inappropriately so that you dishonor God and that you don't give God thanks. Right? If if we look at the culture and our response to the culture and it is not filled with us honoring God and giving God thanks, then we're doing exactly what the culture did in a self-righteous way. Right? Okay. So enough of the... Uh the correction or the exposing of, you know, our own sin and and maybe tendencies that we might be in right now. But I mean, this is what we need to to know, is what we need to hear and be encouraged by one another with is, you know, let's make sure that we are constantly giving God honor and giving him thanks in everything that we do. Because we don't simply know the truth of God, we know God. In fact, more importantly, God knows us, right? In Galatians chapter 4, verse 8, it says, formerly. When you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more, right? When we reach out in rage to others... We're just giving in to those slave, that slavery one more time. And this doesn't mean that we just you know, pretend it's not happening. We need to go after it as Christ did, right? As we look at God's creation, we're seeing with eyes that have been renewed, and we have been delivered from the same sin that they're bound in. So our hearts should be filled with the joy of deliverance, not the rage of condemnation. And our actions should be filled with thankfulness towards God for that deliverance, not in judgment towards people who have not received the same grace and mercy that we have. We should want to share those things, not destroy those things. We should be vessels of redemption and grace, not vessels of destruction. Amen? Okay. All right. The only way for that to happen is through self-control and that self-control it comes from the spirit of the the fruit of the spirit right i mean we see in like 1st Thessalonians 4 4 and 5 it says for this is the will of god your sanctification that you abstain from sexual immorality that each one of you know how to control his own body we see that self-control in holiness and honor not in the passions of lust like the gentiles who do not know god and and there's two things that i wanted to kind of bring into this this thought process as we're thinking about this one is that The Gentiles did not know God, but in Romans it says that creation makes God known. So there's a different knowing here. We have a, it's just that difference between knowing of God and knowing God, God knowing you, right? You know, we all pretend like we know the President of the United States, that we know their character and we know, you know, how they do things, but we don't. We know they exist and we acknowledge their power, but we have no idea what they're like. And that's not the way our relationship with God works. We know he exists. We know his power, but we also know what he's like because we have the Holy Spirit, because Jesus came down and became a man, right? The wisdom that we have has been given to us through that opening of our eyes through Christ. And when we argue with the world, thinking that they're in that same spot, we're forgetting what Paul told us their wisdom is not the same wisdom, right? If we look at 1 Corinthians one twenty-one, it says, Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. Paul says, we're not going to people to try to logically convince them of their sin or their mistaken beliefs. We're going to them with the folly of grace and redemption. And he calls it that because that's how they're going to see it. So when when they're arguing and, and you're coming back at them and you're arguing all of these like logic points, you guys, might be, you guys might be arguing the wrong things. And you might be arguing for the wrong reasons. You might be just discussing these things for the wrong reasons. Because the goal is not that they would agree with us. The goal is that God would know them. And if we don't share the truth of Christ with them, how is God to know them? Remember that when we were bound in sin, it was not the power of argumentation that softened our hearts. It was the actions of Jesus. God knew that the message of creation was not enough right? As as much as we can look out of creation, it's not enough. He sent his word through the prophets and ultimately he sent his son, Jesus, to walk among us as God in the flesh. Through Jesus, we don't simply know of God, we know God. In John 1, it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Creation is an amazing demonstration of the power of God. Um, Its complexity and beauty are a, a sign of his presence in the universe. All of creation was made through Jesus. All of creation is sustained through Jesus. All of creation was made for Jesus. And we've got to keep those things in line in order to be able to go out and and do what we were made to do. To glorify God, to honor him and give thanks to him for the creation that he's given us, for the church that he's given us, but mostly for the salvation and, and the life change that he's brought through us. Amen? We're going to take communion, and as you gather the elements and you think about these things, and, and we think about, you know, how we are to respond to the world, you know, especially in the next couple of weeks, I, I think the parallels between the, the first chapter of Romans and the society that we live in are are easy to see, and I think that it can be discouraging, right, especially for people who, you know, we've lived in a, in a blessed time where you know, we've had a lot of freedom of religion and a lot of kind of like Christianity being the dominant culture in our, our nation. And, you know, that's not guaranteed. But it doesn't change where we're coming from. Amen? And I think that right now, whether it's true or not, I know many of you guys have that fear. Right, Many of you guys feel like our nation is being lost, our culture is being lost, but the United States is not our nation. And it's not our culture. Like the kingdom of God is our nation, and that is a nation that cannot be lost. And God may be calling you to just refine that faith and to focus on the eternal things. So if you guys, you know, if if you're feeling down, if you're feeling that pressure, if you're feeling discouraged, I just encourage you guys, this piece of creation, God put you here for a reason. And it may not be the reason that you hoped it would, It may not be as comfortable as you always thought it was going to be. But live right now on your daily bread and be a light in all the things that you do and live like Christ because Christ did not come down and tell everybody to get in line, right? Christ came down and lived a perfect life and submitted himself to the cross. And that's what he's called us to do. Honestly, this is a better time to be Christian Because there's more suffering that might be involved. And that is more Christ-like. Amen? It's hard to get an amen on that one, right? But it's the truth. We do not want to practice cheap grace. Cheap grace gets us nowhere. Our eternity cost us a great deal. And that's the life that we're called to live. So as we remember that, as we remember that sacrifice that Christ made, I want to take the bread and remember Christ's body, remember his life that he gave on behalf of us that was broken and sacrificed for the payment that Christ paid on our behalf. Let's take the bread together. The blood that Christ shed, the, the evidence of payment received, but also the, the promise of the resurrection, right? that the blood that he shed was not lost, but it, but it had purpose. And that when he was resurrected, blood flowed through those veins again. And that blood covering is that promise of resurrection that we have. And I want you to remember the beauty of God's creation and his design, even to this detail, that Christ died so that we might live. Let's partake of the blood together. All right. Why don't you guys stand? And I just want to take a minute. I know it's often we close our eyes when we pray, but I want you to look around. If you guys are at home, I mean, look out a window. Look at these clouds and just think about the the detail, you know, just the movement that's going on. And look at the mountains and the trees and the colors that come through. I mean, look at your brothers and sisters around you and the intricacies of our bodies and our minds and and all the things that we don't understand that God is continuing to reveal to us, to reveal to humanity so that we might see him better. And I want you to just close your eyes for a second and I want you to think about, you know, you guys that were standing in the middle of the ocean or at the edge of the Grand Canyon and just remember the sheer power of God. And as we... Come into a moment of worship. Let's give him honor and give him thanks for the work that he has done in our life. Lord, we just come before you now, Lord, broken vessels. And Lord, we just ask that you would continue to change us. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Christ. We thank you for everything that you have done to make yourself known to us. Lord, we thank you for you just calling us out of our sin. And Lord, we repent right now, Lord. We repent of the hostilities that we feel to others. Lord, we we repent of the timidness that we have to share the gospel and take risks. Lord, we repent of judgmental thoughts. We repent of greed. Lord, we repent of our lust of our pride, our self-righteousness. Lord, I just lay all of these things at your feet, at the foot of the cross, Lord, and we give joy that your Son has paid for all of these sins. And Lord, that we are just like that mountain with a fresh pack of snow, Lord, that we stand out to the world so that you can be seen. And Lord, be seen through us. Lord, let our voice carry that that you would receive this offering. Lord, we love you and we praise you. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can email us at info at covegraceminifee.org. May the Lord bless your week and guide your steps.